Good day, people. Welcome to Sports Inside Out, Legends of Sports. This is your host, C.B. Baker, filling in for Coach Hatcher. He is um, a little bit under the weather at the moment, and he's told me to hold down the fort as we keep this show going. And today, I have on the air with me, yes, he's back, Leroy Mercy Keys. But before we introduce him and bring him in, let's give a shout out to our sponsors, the Armed Forces Network. While we were asleep, you were awake, making sure our way of life is the same. Also, to Dan and Nissan Man, check it out. If you are in the Hampton Roads area, Tidewater, Virginia area, and you need a vehicle, go see my man, Dan and Nissan Man at Nissan of Chesapeake, swappingkeys.com. And how could I not forget our logistical partners, Seabreeze, the leaders in transitional housing, Flash G is in the house. Now, without further ado, let me bring to the audience, Leroy Mercy Keys. All right. Thank you, CB. Good to hear your voice again. And uh, as I said to Charlie a couple of weeks ago, get well, my good friend, get well and uh, just follow the doctor's orders and everything will be OK. Yes. And, you know, I had, had, a, had a real good conversation with him. He said, CB, um, I need you to host a couple of shows for me and hold down the fort. I said, it'd be my pleasure, coach. I'd be able to hold down the fort for you. So. Let's roll right into the NCAA football. We have, you know, we've been, you know, we've been off the air. I did a couple of um, little pop shop um, uh, updates, but now I got my main man back. So now we can really get into some real debate, which right now is, is usually is Big 12 versus Big 10. And right now is Big 12 just not looking like, like too much of anything. So I'm going to ask this question to you, Leroy. Is there any chance that the Big 12 gets in the top four this year? Not this year. Uh, you know, it's a strange thing, CB, to see the, the, how the season unfolded. Uh, I thought for a minute Oklahoma had a, had a great chance of, of, of getting in there, and uh, they were playing good ball. Uh, but quite naturally, it's how you finish the season and how you wrap it up. And then again, what, what, what has always been this problematic thing with the Big 12 has always been they don't have a playoff. And until they have the playoff and defi- define a champion, they will always sit on the outside because everybody else is playing for a championship. And I feel sorry right now for Penn State, even in Wisconsin. They're playing for the Big Ten championship, but then you got Ohio State with one loss and Penn State beat them. So you had to always say, wow, there's not full-time justice in college football anymore. But I think the four teams that are uh, in, in the top four right now uh, deserve to be there. And I'm quite sure Michigan and Jim Harbaugh doesn't feel that way. But as I look around, uh, it's Alabama. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think personally, I don't see anybody beating Alabama. They have it all on high cylinders. But the Pac-12, uh, you know, and out west, I think Washington uh, showed everybody that we deserve to be here. We, we had a great Great season. Uh, USC turned their program around, but it wasn't enough at the proper time. And a lot of schools are going to get some bowl games. But I, I, I just think that somehow or another, when we come up with the to- uh, a playoff, we might find a way to get in. But right now, until we find a playoff, we're going to be the bridesmaids. We're going to be outside looking in. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't believe that this year the Big 12 gets in the top four. Uh, it would take a lot to happen, like a complete collapse of of everybody in the um, in the championship games. Um, the, the the biggest issue that I see is really Penn State sitting at ten and two, and the possibility of 
them not being able to leapfrog Michigan if Washington loses the um, Pac-12 championship. Right. Right. I, I agree with you 100% because, you know, this this thing came out kind of, kind of I don't want to call it squeaky. It came out kind of iffy. Uh, you know, you, who would think that Ohio State would lose to Penn State based on previous encounters? But I think James Franklin has gone in there and uh, convinced those young kids out in, 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 in Happy Valley that, hey, man, we got a, a a large and proud tradition that Papa Joe left us, and uh, I think we need to turn this thing back around. So now you got two teams that no one thought would they actually be playing for the championship because it's always had come down to maybe Wisconsin. They thought coming coming out of the East, uh, but uh, Michigan and Ohio State we knew they had to beat one another, and with Ohio State winning, but no one expected Penn State to beat Ohio State. That was that was the game of the year, really. And so now uh, Penn State is sitting out there saying, hey, uh, if we beat Wisconsin this coming Saturday for the Big Ten Championship, where do we stand? Uh, now, you figure like Ohio State sitting at home. <laughs> they don't have to play anybody. Right. And they know they're in. And, and I think uh, Urban Myers is saying, wow, what a, what a break. And uh, like you said, now, Clemson still has to play Virginia Tech for the, for the ACC title. And that could that could throw a monkey wrench into this whole thing. Uh, I don't think Alabama's going to lose. I, I don't see them losing. And so uh, it, it, it could be Penn State. We'll be sitting there on the edge and hoping that we don't get penalized, that Michigan can leapfrog over us being a conference champion as opposed to a team that's waiting on the outside only with, you know, with the two losses they have. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing unfolds this coming weekend. Yeah, well, and, you know, one uh, one note I'd like to throw out there is if this was the NFL, Alabama would not play any of the starters. Oh no. <laughs> no. Because they could lose it. They could they could lose the championship game and still be in the playoffs. Right, right. You know, so right. but you know, of course you're playing for a championship, so of course they're going to play their their players. But this is where we're at now in college football. Um without like we said it last year and you know, year before that, and without Eighteen playoff, that's where your issues come in at. So if you had eighteen playoff, you would be looking at Colorado, Penn State, and Wisconsin and Michigan filling out the rest of the top eight. And you know, then you would have um Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on the outside looking in, no matter what happens. So right. I you know, I don't I just I can't even put my own team above Colorado this year. You know, they, no, the 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 buffs the buffs came on strong the buffaloes came on strong and the bottom line is that's the beauty of college football and that's what I think we've been seeing for the last three years you never know on any given Saturday on any given night that a college team is playing there is potential for upsets but also there are t- potential for those teams that have been winning to stay winners and they just constantly the top twenty five that we see each year in and out. Might get a few uh, inclusions, but basically it looked like it's a top-heavy club that said, guys, you got to bring your A-game every time you step on the field. And that's what Alabama has done. This year, Colorado said, we want a piece of this action. Oklahoma said, we want to be in the midst. It was a lot of good teams who <laughs> lost two games. And even some of the three-loss teams were saying, man, we, we deserve a little recognition, but they know that if you're not undefeated, one loss will get you into that top four, but two, three losses will have you sitting on the outside saying, what if, and wait till next year. 
Yeah, now I got a question for you. And what is your thoughts on Western Michigan? They went 12-0, and and they're now ranked 17th, which I think is um, not a good ranking for them. Do we ever come to a point in college football where a team like Western Michigan has a chance to at least play for the title? I, I just think that it's, it's a misnomer as far as I'm concerned. Any team that's undefeated has shown metal. Whether they crack the top five, and, I, you know, I feel like there's a, uh, a bias, there's a discrimination, really, against a team for winning and not rewarding them for what they have accomplished. Uh, I, but the, being the MAC, uh, just the title doesn't say Power Five. It doesn't say uh, you belong in the elitish. And but yet they have gone out and had a great season. Their coach PJ Fleck is a, a fireball on the sideline. The players they just go out on the field and want to die for it. And so I just think it's an injustice that when you sit in a room and you look at a team that's undefeated versus several teams that have losses, and you say, well. The best we can get this guy is 17 because we don't think in our minds that they can beat anybody in front of them. And then again, that's come to the situation that I don't like. You you know you can't play everybody because you're bound to your conference schedule. You have certain games, and then when you go outside your conference, there are certain teams that don't even want to play you. So you can't get the fillers in that you need, and yet when you play and beat the teams in your conference, win your conference, undefeated, and someone else says, you're not good enough still. I, I think uh, we had to look a little deeper because anytime a team is undefeated, to me, they deserve to have some type of recognition in the final. Even if we stick them in and they get blown out. Right. Give these kids an opportunity to show that they belong because, number one, they don't make up the schedule. They play the teams that are on the schedule based on uh, their schedule that the schools uh, acquire or assemble or arrange. And they came out undefeated. I would love to see somebody in the room stand up, have the fortitude or intestinal fortitude to say, hey, look, this team is 12-0. and They deserve to be in, in the ranking as a potential Final Four team. I agree. And, you know, with the, with the way the system is set up, um, Western Michigan, in my opinion, will never be able to get in a playoff scenario, even that, you know, because they're sitting at 17, if even if it was 16-team playoff, they wouldn't make it in there. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, which is which is outrageous. But, you know, I just – another thing, too, I don't think the coach stays this year. I think um, with a lot of the – with Oregon finding their coach, you got a lot of coach of vacancies that's coming, coming up. Um, you know, so you got Purdue that's out there, your alma mater that's looking for a coach. So they got plenty of places out there that's got a little bit more name power than Western Michigan. And that's no disrespect to Western Michigan, but unless they was to leave their conference and go to the big 12, which is looking for teams, you know, they're going to always be on the outside looking in. But right now they're on the way outside looking in. The mind gets funny when the money is out there. And I don't know if PJ is just shooting uh, hope and desire in the hearts of his players. But when you say Oregon, when the money that Oregon has, when you say Purdue, and this guy said, wait a minute, I can become, I can get into the Big Ten at last and show all the coaches in the world that I'm deserving of my accolades because I'm a good coach. I know how to get young men to rally around my program and my belief and what I want to teach and preach. So um, I, I hope that PJ ends up somewhere. 
hey, it would be great at Purdue, but, you know, we still looking, and uh, <laughs> I guess Les Miles was still on the top of the list. And uh, Yeah, I, 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 didn't want to, I didn't want to put you on the spot with that one. <laughs> I, heard that, I heard a little rumor today, this morning, when I was listening to Sports Talk Radio, and I was like, you know, I know Leroy Keats has got some type of inside, uh, inside information <laughs> on that, but that would be a very good pickup for Purdue. It would definitely be, and and the, the recognition. The only thing that I see, and 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 then again, it, everything CB in, in the world of sports is relegated to age now. Can can this person relate to the young uh, generation? Can he can he supercharge the Purdue team as he did with the LSU team before he was terminated? Uh, and at being sixty two years of age, I still think he has a lot on his plate. But right now, everybody's looking for that young coach who's in his 30s, 40s, uh, who they know they can lock in for five or six years. He has the ability to motivate young kids because the kids that we're dealing with today are not like we were or like, <coughs> excuse me, like you were when you were playing. We, we, we now see on our telephones, our cell phones, uh, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine yards. We know where everybody else is going. And everybody wants to now be a part of the championship fiber they want to go to the usc's now they want to go back to the washington but they're saying well yeah purdue can't beat michigan purdue can't beat ohio state purdue can't beat michigan state and so why would i want to go to purdue to try to turn a program around there a good coach said i want to challenge and i think that's what it's all about who wants to take the challenge to say i turn this program around like joe tiller did back in 2000 with drew Brees. Turned it around. Uh, but Danny Hope nor Daryl Hazel has done anything positive in the last eight years. So quite naturally, we're saying we're desperate for a coach who has a name and who has the skills to bring in some skill players. Yes, and definitely in the Big Ten, is is really – you really recruit and say, hey, if you want to play against the best, this is one of the, the conferences that you want to come come to and you can come play right now for Purdue. And that's what I would if I was, was recruiting at Purdue, that's what I would say to the players. I would go after the same players as going to Ohio State as, you know, visiting Michigan and say, look, you will be able to play instantly here. Or do you want to go to the other teams? Yes, you may win some games, but you're going to be sitting on the bench for three years. Right, right. And then with constant competition coming up behind you. So those things really um, play into the mind of recruiting um, players, which I, I don't I don't think other teams and, and the lower level teams in the power five really take into account when they go out to recruit. You know, no, they don't. They, they they have no idea. Uh, it, it, the fiber of the land has already been established, and and it's tough. Uh, I mean, when you look at the schools in the Ivy League, uh, they have a a notoriety. Say the Ivy League schools are Ivy League. They will never crack into uh, the top five or the top four in college football. Penn may have a great season. Harvard may have a great season. Cornell may have a great season. But we don't even pay any attention to them, basically. Dartmouth could have a great season. But we're sitting there saying, if it's not the ACC, first thing hit our mind, we think Virginia. We think Virginia Tech. We think Clemson. We think North Carolina. So when you start thinking about where the football players seem to be going to in, in mass to say, we want to be the difference makers, uh, they happen to want to go to the ACC. The SEC, the Big Ten, the Big, the, the big uh, your, your conference, we, we, 
Do, is it still ten or twelve in the Mac? In the it's pack? in the, the, the twelve. Pack twelve in the pack. Pack twelve. So when you start looking at those conferences, and you say TCU, you say Oklahoma, you say Oklahoma State, you say uh, Houston, it's it's a different ring in the mindsets of these young kids now. But yet, as we sit back as observers of the game and people who enjoy watching young people go out and and, and show their skills. The Western Michigans of the world, they're saying, we have something to offer, just like the Colorado Buffalo. Uh, they sit out there in a conference where nobody pays any attention to them, and yet they are winning. And you say, wow, they leapfrog over Arizona State. They leapfrog over Arizona, uh, UCLA. I mean, all these schools out there are trying to say, we want nothing but the most talented kids. But somehow out there, these other programs are saying, we can play the game. We deserve to be noted, and we deserve our notoriety. And yet, for some odd reason, if you're not in that power five, you will forevermore be kind of sequestered into another realm. They look like they may go CB. My thinking maybe they may have to come up and say, look, we may have to have two different kind of championships, one for the powerhouse and one for the underdogs. And, and you know, that's what the rumor was a couple of years ago was that, they, you know, the power five may break off in the NCAA and start their own um, their, right. their own league due to the, the issues with being able to pay players. But right. I, but, but I would like to um, I'd like to ask you another question here, Leroy, is. Which team or which program end up being the most disappointing this year? Oh, you, see, <laughs> CB, forgive me for laughing. If 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 I had to take one team that I think I'm going to take two, and they both are in the in the outside, or one is in the Big Ten and one is in the Big Ten country, that would be Michigan State because I had no idea that that team would fall so far this fast. I yeah. mean, with the talent that Michigan State has been able to showcase the last several years, I didn't think this program would have this season and not be even bold eligible. That was a shocker to me. And then Notre Dame. I mean, let's be real. A 4-7 and seven Notre Dame team? Unheard yeah. of. Unheard of. I mean, you know, when you look across the country at the other teams where you say, well, Kevin Sumlin didn't get it done down at Texas A&M. Uh, you didn't get it done at TCU. Charlie Strong has always been in a, a, a program where I think so much other pressure was put on his job that he could not he could not breathe down in Texas. So you didn't hear anything about Texas. Miami, Florida, those schools are still Auburn are still great. But when you say disappointing, I'm definitely going to have to look at Notre Dame and Michigan State as being two of the most disappointing to me this year. And I'm quite sure D'Antonio is going to turn around the fortunes of Michigan State next year and get back into that top, that which I always call the cream of the crop here in the Big Ten. Penn State proved they could get in, back in. So now I'm looking at um, certain teams that said, like Notre Dame, we play a what I want to call a universal schedule. And we couldn't play with the big boys this year. And I want to see what happened to Mr. Kelly in South Bend because he said, oh, sure, I'll be back. Now, <laughs> Tyrone Willingham went 9-3 and three and got the axe. That's so right. I, I want to see now what the brain trust up in, up in uh, South Bend is going to do with a coach who just finished a 4-7 and seven season. Which, uh, And I know Notre Dame, they are accustomed to saying, no, 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 no. We call ourselves being one of the elite and this season, this coach did not deliver. 
Now, let's see, let's see if the game is played the same way for uh, Mr. Kelly as it was played for any other coach who never had who had a losing season and didn't have a winning season. That's right. It is unfortunate that, you know, college football, that you can't have a bad season. I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to a bad season. I mean, you have injuries, you know, stuff that could be really out of your control, you know, but it's like, but this is the name of the game of college football, especially when you're the quote unquote, the elite. My most disappointed team is Tennessee. Oh, the Vols. The Vols. Yes. And, you know, I I grew up in um, Nashville, Tennessee, and, when I was watching the games this past weekend and I saw that they was playing Vanderbilt for the rivalry game, I said, well, they always beat Vanderbilt. I'm not even going to look at the game. And then I go to bed and I look at my phone and I noticed that Vanderbilt beat Tennessee. And now I know back in the day, if that would have happened Sunday morning, the coach would have been fired. Right. Right. You know, and that that's one game you cannot lose. And I just, I cannot understand what's going on um, at Tennessee. This was their year to crack into the top um, four. This was their year to be able to compete with Alabama, you know, and the rest of the SEC. They finally got the players that they needed. Everything was lined up in place, and they just did not deliver. I mean, they have an eight and four record this season, which is, you know, they're going to a bowl game, right. but it's still disappointing with all of the the um, the hype that was behind the team at the beginning of the year. Well, see, that's the, that's the situation that we, as the outsiders, we as those who may be informative, we, we, we can't hold on to because when you look at Tennessee, I think the players in their heart said the worst case scenario is we're going to finish finish the season nine and three because we got our little baby brothers down the street in Vanderbilt. They can't beat us. If we put our second unit on the field, they can't beat us. It becomes an attitudinal thing now. And I believe Tennessee felt like, well, we lost the, the, the two games that we knew we should not have lost because we still got skilled players. We got we got a good running back. We got a good quarterback who's been in the program. We got a coach that we want to play and die for. But for some reason, I think you get into that name recognition, Tennessee. You, with the first name to come to mind with Tennessee, ah, oh, Peyton Manning. So the bottom line is you say, this is Peyton school. That's the way sometimes we label it. Right. But when you get out there on the field, a lot of these players now you get, you always ask yourself, do they really understand the culture, are they willing to fulfill the obligation, the pride that we have of saying we wear the orange and white? And I think sometimes these players are saying, man, later for the later for the color of the school, we can we should beat Vanderbilt hands down. They forget that it's a proud Vanderbilt university saying, hey man, we're tired of being the, do- the doormat for everybody else to just walk in, annihilate us in our home stadium in front of our home crowd. And so I, I think there's always a change of the guards, but like you said, it 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 it, it kind of rackles you or wrinkles you that a school that comes in with so much hype, and knowing that this may be your one year, because now you had senior players who had experience that this is the one year that you should have made your your move. You should have said to Alabama, "Hey, we'll be playing you for the SEC championship this year." But the bottom line is they went in and they overlooked their last foe, and then when they lose a fourth game, you say, hey, we, we don't even have a chance now. We might have had a chance if we went in there at 9-3, and three, but 8-4, and four, 
ain't no, the, the, the big boys ain't buying eight and four. So I think uh, Mr. Jones has a little more work to do in Tennessee if they keep him uh, beyond this eight and four season. Right. Well, moving on to um, the NFL uh, football, it's it's <laughs> been a um, a very interesting season. Like I said before, we have been off the air uh, together for a couple of weeks now, so a lot has happened in a couple of weeks. Uh, the re- the resurgence of not the Cal- Dallas Cowboys, but really the Dallas Cowboys fans. They're coming out of the woodworks. I've seen so many flags, <laughs> you know, banners waved. I had no idea that there was so many Cowboys fans in America, but they are out and about now. So the NFL NFL seems like it's really uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots bought a lot of teams, Leroy, in the middle with six and five, seven and four, and six and six. And, and uh, that, well, outside of this year being a banner year for the Cowboys, you know, it's everybody else is falling into place. I mean, you know, you looked at the Redskins, you looked at New England, and then you had the Jets and the Giants. So And then my poor Philadelphia Eagles, they can't seem to beat the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback, and you got a rookie Wentz uh, playing quarterback for the Eagles. They they played hard but Monday night, but quite naturally. The, everything now, as we've all, as I've always stated, and I thought it, went, it, it was like a three-head monster. I always thought it was Seattle, Dallas, and New England. With New England being the team that everybody, uh, I guess everybody said, if we could beat Tom Brady and, and, and the Patriots, I mean, we deserve to be in the Super Bowl. But now you're looking at it, teams that you never thought. Oakland Raiders? Come on. I mean, they've had great teams in the past, but no one ever looked at the Oakland Raiders as being a team to be reckoned with. Uh, uh, Detroit Lions having a great year. So, yes, you got all your in-betweeners in there, but then again, it always goes back to the same thing you mentioned earlier, CB, injuries. I mean, when you get an injury, a crucial injury at this time of the season when you got four games left five games left in the season you can't afford to have your quarterback go down with a dislocated thumb elbow uh, you can't have your, your best running back go down with a knee injury or out for the season uh and your defensive players got to stay healthy and so uh but the cowboys i mean you know we still talk about tony romo in the locker room but on the playing field i think the dallas cowboys said let's not mess up a good thing Dak has gotten us to where we are. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is the real deal, folks, in the NFL. And I think the Cowboys are going to milk this thing all the way to a Super Bowl uh, opportunity. I agree. Um, the, 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 the Cowboys are definitely are, you know, I used to say the Patriots was the team to beat. But after watching the Cowboys and the Redskins, the Cowboys are definitely the best team in the NFL right now. And now the New England Patriots always find a way to be able to um, get the job done, whether it be with, you know, they got a little knickknacky injuries to Gronkowski and to Brady right now. So, but they're sitting at nine and two. But the issue that they're having right now that they have not had in the past couple of years is the Miami Dolphins are on a six game winning streak. Are sitting at seven and four, so the the Patriots can't take their foot off the gas pedal because they got somebody like kind of not right on their heels, but they're right there. Yeah, you know when when you sit down and like you say, right now you got some teams sitting out on the career field and they're looking at their conference. Say, if we can win our conference uh, championship and represent 
our segment of the NFL, we stand a chance, but quite naturally, uh, it goes again to the fact that New England has always found a trinket, uh, whether it was Butler one year and his interception, whether it's Blunt coming back and having a great year, whether it's Amadola. Uh, Gronk was out for a while last year, so Gronk now looked like he's more injury-prone than he has been in the past. But for some reason, with Brady's suspension, they've kicked that all onto the back burner and pull their game back to the front and say to everybody, and they send a message out to the NFL. We may be down for a while, but we're not out. It's sort of like when Ali stood over top of a foe on the, on the canvas in boxing, and he said, get up again, sucker, I got some more for you. But the bottom line <laughs> is, the New England Patriots said, we might have been down for a little bit, but we're back up on, and we're solid. We shook the cobwebs out, and now we know what our, our mission statement is. And, and it's hard for other teams, good coach teams, well-coached teams, great players on other teams. But for some reason, just the mention of the word New England Patriots, it sort of brings a like, oh, God, we got to play them again. Right. I believe we had to go. Why does it all? Because Belichick has said, I don't believe that anybody can beat any team that I put together. And, and I think it's an attitude that he is out there in New England and the other coaches, they feel like if we can get, if we can get on the same page and get into the same mindset as the New England Patriots, then we can get into this mix. But it has always been, when we look at football CB, I, I go way back with the game. But when you started, it used to be the Giants, they had a run. The Green Bay Packers had a run. Right. The Minnesota Vikings, Purple People Eaters had a run. The Pittsburgh Steelers had a run. The Redskins had a run. But see, we didn't have the Carolina Panthers, but the Miami Dolphins with Don Shula when they went 17 and 0, they've had their run. The Cowboys have always and always will be America's team. And that is what Jerry Jones has driven into all of everybody. We are America's team. All them other teams are pretenders. The Oakland Raiders have had their turn. They used to be the bullies. The LA Rams used to have their run. But the bottom line is, Philadelphia has always not had a run. They've tinkle in and out but the bottom line is right now everybody's saying everything goes through new england the far the team the furthest away on, on the east coast from anybody else on the west coast but they're the team that everybody said we want to be like right you know and I, when i get in debates with uh guys at the barbershop or we're sitting at the bar they you know everybody was bringing up the oakland raiders and i always tell them i said well the issue with the Raiders is, but by the being on the West Coast, they always usually get the four o'clock game, and right. and people usually they watch the one o'clock game and then they're done and they're leaving or going to go do house chores around the house and they miss the four o'clock game, which is very important. Now that's one thing I think the NFL itself needs to do. Like I've noticed that the Cowboys got a Thursday night game coming up this week. Mm-hmm. And they just played on Thanksgiving. Right. So you're playing the Cowboys twice on Thursday night where versus why can't you have the Oakland Raiders play on Thursday so everybody can see them, like reward them for their reward, the program and the organization for being able to turn it around and turn in a nine and two record. And they got a nine and two record and only real football fans even really kind of even notice it. And the chiefs at 83. Oh yeah. Right. Right. But you know, it's, I I don't know about us as fans of the game, but I sometimes visualize the fact that uh, the owner with the most charisma, 
uh, who the NFL um, and Goodell feel like, well, that's Jerry Jones. He sits on more committees than the lead person for the Oakland Raiders or the lead person for the uh, Lamar Hunt is no longer there with Kansas City. So the bottom line is we're going to go with America's team because somehow or another they have ingrained into the American template. And I hate to use this analogy. It's sort of like Donald Trump beating Hillary Clinton. Y'all actually, you never thought you would see pants, Trump, Trump, pants right. all over the country. It's the same way right now. Everybody's sticking their Dallas Cowboys sign in the yard. They're wearing the bumper on their car. They're waving the flag. It's as though magically the Dallas Cowboys have been reincarnated. And Zach Prescott, a young rookie, they would rather say, well, Oakland is okay, you know. But when you look at Oakland fans, they dress them in all that black and gray. Right. And, and it's our American eyes and people say, boy, that blue and white show looks good. Because when we look at our American flag, it's red, white, and blue. So quite naturally, outside of the New York Giants wearing their red and gray and blue, right. everything seemed to pinpoint that. We love the color of the Dallas Cowboys. They project well on Thanksgiving because families are sitting at home eating, and everybody want to see the Dallas Cowboys win as opposed to seeing them ruffians from the from the Bay Area known as the Oakland Raiders. It, it's unfair, and CB, you, you, you kind of struck a chord with me. I, I just think that when a team is playing as well as the Kansas City Chiefs, the uh, Oakland Raiders, these teams need to feel like we deserve an opportunity to be seen nationally in a national time spot at an appropriate time where we know people, after you get out of church on Sundays, we're the first game they see, not get us on TV late at night when all the children are going to bed because they got school the next day. Uh, And I think the NFL can do a better job. But right now, I think Jerry Jones say, I control the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, Well, this has been a very good show uh, to be back in the saddle. Um, we will. I will be back next week um, so flying solo again. Uh, Leroy's got some things he's got to take care of. So, But please understand this one thing when you're listening to this sports show. When legends speak, people listen. <laughs>